Former Navy Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt took a stand to defend religious freedom by daring to pray publicly in Jesus' name. Now he helps you by reporting the news, discerning the spirits, and praying the scriptures. Would you pray with us? Here's Dr. Chaps. God bless you in Jesus' name. My name is Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt. Dr. Chaps, you're watching PIJN News. Today we have Bill Federer. We're live at the NRB convention, and Bill has written this new book, The Treacherous World of the 16th Century and How the Pilgrims Escaped It. On yesterday's show, we already covered how the pilgrims escaped the old world and came to the new world on the Mayflower and uh, established the Mayflower Compact uh, and eventually established what became the United States of America. Bill Federer, you are a Christian historian. You've written dozens of other books, uh, but give us a summary of this book and then pick up where you left off. So the seeds, the DNA of the freedoms we have today originated way back then. Freedom of conscience. They did not have freedom of conscience in England. You had to act. The king passed an act of uniformity. You had to believe exactly the way the king did. We're having a little of that today where the government says, okay, we're going to push the LGBT agenda. Uh, and if you want to, um, if you don't want to support abortion and you're a little, you're a nun that's celibate, uh, we're going to force you to pay for it anyway. Uh, so we're seeing violations of conscience. Uh, if, if you don't want to participate in a, in a gay ceremony, uh, the government wants to force you to participate. So we're facing the same freedom of conscience issues that the pilgrims did, right? The king says, you got to believe exactly the way I do or I'm going to burn you at the stake. And that was back in the 1600s. Right. So um, one of the stories that's interesting with the pilgrims is Squanto. Now, a little background. Um, Columbus discovers the new world. Spain claims it for 100 years. They actually try to settle. I mean, there are 600 Spaniards settled in Paris Island, South Carolina, and uh, they tried to get a settlement going, it didn't work. They had malaria, diseases, mutinies, and so forth. For some reason, they just couldn't get it together. But they did uh, take over Latin America and the Caribbean, and uh, they enslaved the natives. They basically took the feudal system of Europe and applied it, where you'd have a, an area of land, and the poor people on the land worked for the the Lord, so to speak. And so when the Spaniards divided up the New World into Masiagios or to plantations, they said, okay, whatever Indians happen to be there, they're my serfs. And uh, they didn't treat them very well and a lot of them died off. And so uh, they enslaved Native Americans. And so there was a Catholic priest, the same time Martin Luther is doing the Reformation in Germany, and of course he started as a Catholic priest, um, there was this priest in America named Bartolome de las Casas. He spends his whole life trying to get the King of Spain to outlaw the enslavement of Native Americans. And he's finally successful. And no sooner does the dust settle, than the greedy guys say, well, gee, where can we get more slaves? Someone said, Africa. And so that's when they went to the Muslim slave markets and began to buy them. People forget Muslims enslaved Africans for eight centuries before America was ever discovered. Muhammad owned African slaves. There's only one word in Arabic for African enslaved. It's Abid, A-B-D. And so they would have Muslim slave markets in Timbuktu, uh, where the canoe meets the caravan, right, on the Niger River, uh, Khartoum in Sudan, Tanzania, um, Morocco, Algiers, um, Libya. These were all Muslim slave trading markets. And uh, so these Spaniards, and then eventually the Portuguese, and then the Dutch would go to the Muslim slave markets, buy Africans, bring them to the New World. And uh, so uh, you would see slavery, but there were other unscrupulous people who would go the coast of North America 
and lure native Indians onto their boat and take them to the slave market in Spain, Malaga, Spain. One of those Indians was Squanto. And so uh, around the same time that the pilgrims are fleeing to Holland, Squanto is kidnapped and with some other Indians and taken to Spain. And as the story goes, it's pieced together, he was purchased by some monks who introduced him to Christianity and gave him his freedom. He hitchhikes his way across Europe, makes his way to England. He works there several years, finds some uh, endeavor, business endeavor person to take him to Newfoundland. He works there several years, interpreters and so forth. And then he finally gets a ship to drop him back off at Cape Cod where he was kidnapped. He gets off to find his entire tribe is dead. A, a French ship had shipwrecked at Cape Cod. Remember the graveyard of ships and all the ships? And the sailors got ashore and uh, William Bradford gives the record that the Indians never left watching them and dogging them till they got the advantage, killed them all but three or four, whom they sent from one sachem chief to another, making sport with them, using them worse than slaves. Anyway, they all died. One of them must have had an illness, maybe smallpox. The Indians caught it, wiped out the entire tribe. So much that the other tribes would not venture onto that land. And so the pilgrims happened to land at that one spot that was not claimed by any other living tribe, so to speak. So Squanto gets off, he's depressed, he's living with another tribe. The pilgrims are blown off course 500 miles from Jamestown, they land at that spot. They get off, right, there's no Indians around, they find some stashes of corn, helps them make it through that winter. And um, the next spring, after half of them had died, Squanto walks out of the woods. Could you imagine this? And he says, oh, you guys from, from England? Yeah, I used to live there. <laughs> you know, oh yeah, St. Paul's Chapel, the Wharf Street, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. And here he's talking to them in perfect English. I mean, 3,000 miles away. And the pilgrims are like amazed. And so Squanto says, oh here, yeah, I grew up here. I know this place like the back of my hand. Over that hill's a spring, and this is how you plant, you know, fish. Uh, I mean, catch fish, and this is how you plant corn. And he taught them how to take corn, shake it over a fire in a pot and make popcorn, right? That came from the American Indians. And he taught them how to go down to the riverbank and squeegee in the mud and catch eels. And he taught them how to catch beavers. And it was the 40 years worth of beaver skins that they used to pay off their debt for their boat ride. And he was their interpreter and put them on good terms with other Indian tribes. And so William Bradford said, Squanto was a special instrument sent of God for our good beyond our expectation. Let's take a short break. I mean, that shows the providence of God in the pilgrims landing at the right place during the right time, and this guy walks out of the woods speaking perfect English. Squanto was used by God to establish their safety and security. Bill Federer has written this book, The Treacherous World of the 16th Century and How the Pilgrims Escaped It. We'll be back with more after this. Dr. Chaps will be right back with more PIJN News. Did you know religious freedom is under fire in our military today? Our troops do not have protection. For example, military chapels are now being desecrated by homosexual wedding ceremonies on bases in all 50 states. Our troops are now also faced punishment if they dare to object to sharing common sleeping quarters or common shower facilities or if chaplains dare to quote the Bible during private counseling that declares that homosexuality is a sin. Nobody in our military should be forced to violate their Christian conscience, especially their right to pray publicly in Jesus' name. Let's take action today for religious freedom. Would you sign a petition with me 
Visit PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org. Let's defend religious freedom for our troops. Take action today. Dr. Chaps needs you to sign today's petition right now. Again, visit PrayInJesusName.org to sign our petition right now. How can you discern the thoughts in your own mind from the thoughts that come to you from the Holy Spirit or from angels or from invisible demons? I'm Dr. Chaps, and you've seen us on this show talk about the gift of discerning of spirits. Maybe you know that I wrote my PhD dissertation entitled, How to See the Holy Spirit and Angels and Demons. And it's all about this important topic of receiving the gift of discerning of spirits. How can you discern the thoughts that come to you? How do you know to learn to hear the voice of God and discern that from the demonic voice which tempts us to sin? Well, this is an important skill and it will change your ministry. It'll change your life which is why we've created now not just a book, but a 17-part video Bible study on a four-disc DVD set that we would like to send to you and your church and your family and your small group. This important Bible study series goes through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. How did Jesus discern the spirits? How did the Apostle Paul discern the spirits? What does the Old Testament say about demons and the Holy Spirit and angels? When you learn to discern, it will transform your life and your ministry. Please visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org, and get this important video resource. Or call us toll-free at 866-Obey-God, and for a suggested donation of $99, we'll give you the entire 17-part Bible study series for just $99. And if you order today, we'll throw in the book for free. Visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org, or call us toll-free at 866-Obey-God. Get this important Bible study series for your family. Call today. He is the intersection of church and state. Here is Dr. Chaps. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Chaps. Christian historian Bill Federer is available to come to your church or travel to your city. He goes all around the country. And Bill, you've written uh, dozens of books about Christian history. This one is The Treacherous World of the 16th Century and How the Pilgrims Escaped It. Tell us more. Well, uh, we were talking about Squanto. Two years later, Squanto is showing them uh, the different parts of the bay, Manamoyak Bay, and there's a sudden freezing rain and the waves get really stormy. William Bradford says they put in on a little island and here Squanto fell ill of Indian fever, bleeding much at the nose, which the Indians take for a symptom of death. He bequeathed several of his belongings to his English friends and he begged Governor Bradford to pray for him that he would go to the Englishman's God in heaven. Wow. Well, the Englishmen were the pilgrims, and the pilgrims were Christian, right? They fled here for their Christian faith. They were living it in front of him, and he sees them, and he says, I want to go to your God. I believe he became a Christian. And, um, but it's a fascinating story of this seed, this DNA of a group of people that was bottom up. It was a government that was the people ruling themselves without a king. Um, so in this book, I go through this history. I lay it all out. I talk about how uh, the invention of the printing press changed it all. Um, you know, the, the Bibles all used to be handwritten, but 1454, uh, you had uh, Gutenberg uh, invent the printing press, 
and uh, this allowed the Reformation to spread. The Bible was in, could be mass produced. Uh, I go through the calendar. So the calendar we're using today goes all the way back to the 16th century. What do you mean? Well, um, Julius Caesar conquered in the Roman Empire and he wanted a one calendar for his entire empire to help unify it. And he gets rid of the old lunar calendars that these different countries all had, lots of mixed ones, Egypt and you know the Persians and so forth. And he comes up with a solar calendar with, and he moves the beginning of the year from March 1st to January 1st. That goes back to Julius Caesar. We know that the beginning of the year used to be March 1st because of some names of months. September, sept is Latin for seven. Octo, October, oct, like octagon, eight-sided. Octo is Latin for eight. Nove is Latin for nine. And December, de, des, decimal, right, is Latin for 10. Seven, eight, nine, 10 has now become uh, nine, 10, 11, 12. Right, and so uh, Julius Caesar actually names the fifth month after himself. Instead of Quintilius, it, it is now July. But it only had um, uh, 30 days, so he takes a, a day from the old end of the year, February, and adds it to July. That's why July is sort of, now the next emperor is Augustus Caesar. He names the sixth month after him, and so it's now August. It only had 30 days, so he takes a day from the old end of the year, February, adds it to August. So that's why July and August have 31 days and February has 28. Now Julius Caesar decides to have a leap year every four years. It was pretty accurate, it's called the Julian calendar, used for a thousand years, but it was 11 minutes off per day. And so by the time you get to the 1500s, it's now 10 days off. And so Pope Gregory decides to revamp it. And he says, okay, we're gonna have a leap year every four years, uh, ex except uh, in the years that are divisible by 100, unless they're also divisible by 400. Did you get that? A little complicated, but it's so accurate, we still use it today. The Gregorian calendar. The Gregorian calendar. Now, the Protestant countries did not adopt it for 150 years. And so you had two different calendars in Europe. So the pilgrims landed in 1620 on November 12th or November 20th. And so you'll see, it'll say November 20th OS for old style or November 12th for NS new style, which is the Gregorian calendar. But so it makes for some interesting record. You read a lot of history, you're gonna see different dates. So for example, William Shakespeare died on April 23rd, 1660. And Miguel de Cervantes, the Spanish author of Don Quixote, Man of La Mancha, he dies on April 23rd, 1616, the same day. But when you do the calendar rematch, you find out that Miguel de Cervantes died 10 days earlier. Anyway, finally in 1752, the British Empire adopts the Gregorian calendar. And by this time, they erase 11 days. And uh, from, uh, so then when you look at George Washington's birthday, you'll see it two different ways because he was born in 1732. But finally after 1752, one calendar, the British Empire became the biggest empire in the world. They spread the Gregorian calendar all around the world. And so everybody in the world is using the dating system that actually goes back to the birth of Jesus. And, and that's why on New Year's, We'll see fireworks from Sydney, Australia, all the way to Europe, all the way to Los Angeles and Hawaii, and we're all on the same calendar worldwide. Right, so, but it's a fascinating book because the situations that we're facing today, the DNA of it goes all the way back then. A couple other stories, um, the Charles V of Spain, 
he is the Holy Roman Emperor that oversaw the Reformation and oversaw the settlement of the New World. Uh, Charles V, when he was younger, he had captured the King of France, Francis I. And uh, after making him, and Francis I said, I lost all save honor. So here's the King of France captured by the King of Spain. After giving up some lands, you know, conceding on some different uh, contentious issues, the King of Spain lets him go. And now Francis I decides that he's gonna make a treaty with Spain's biggest enemy, the Ottoman Empire. So from Francis I on, France was allies with the Muslim Ottoman Empire. And they're arming them and they're upgrading their military, you know. And, um, uh, and so when that happened, Spain now had to divide its military resources and it could not defend Hungary. And so the Ottoman Empire conquers Hungary and the Sultan kills the King of Hungary, Louis, King Louis, right? And so we see these dynamics taking place. Another was the uh, British had a company called the Company of Merchant Adventurers. It's in the 1550s or so forth. It's like their first company and a bunch of rich guys put money together. The king gives them permission. They're gonna sail north of Russia to get over to China and India for, to trade. It's like, uh, they didn't realize that it's filled full of ice. Three boats and two of them are frozen in ice in the middle of the ocean. Everybody dies, everybody's frozen. One of them was close enough to land so that some Russian dog sleds go out there and um, bring them back, uh, takes them to Ivan the Terrible and I have a whole chapter on Russia. Uh, Novgorod on the North Atlantic was a republic for hundreds of years until Ivan the Terrible killed 60,000 of them and incorporated that into his kingdom. Um, I mean, there, people would be jumping in the river to get free and he'd have his men go out there with oars and boats and knock them in the head back under the ice. I mean, he was just killing them, Ivan uh, the Terrible. All kinds of vignettes in this book and, and history takes its own rabbit trails, but I'm thankful that Bill Federer has sewn them all together in one contiguous story, the treacherous world of the 16th century and how the pilgrims escaped it. We're gonna take one more break and when we come back, Bill Federer will bring this home. This is PIJN News, defending your religious freedom. Dr. Chaps will be right back. Did you know religious freedom is under fire in our military today? Our troops do not have protection. For example, military chapels are now being desecrated by homosexual wedding ceremonies on bases in all 50 states. Our troops are now also faced punishment if they dare to object to sharing common sleeping quarters or common shower facilities or if chaplains dare to quote the Bible during private counseling that declares that homosexuality is a sin. Nobody in our military should be forced to violate their Christian conscience, especially their right to pray publicly in Jesus' name. Let's take action today for religious freedom. Would you sign a petition with me? Visit PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org. Let's defend religious freedom for our troops. Take action today. Dr. Chaps needs you to sign today's petition right now. Again, visit PrayInJesusName.org to sign our petition right now. Are you frustrated at the direction your country is headed? Are you ready to fight for a cause and change the world? Do you believe God has called Christians to make a difference? Announcing a new book by Chaplain Gordon Klingenschmidt entitled How to Liberate the World in 30 Days, a step-by-step -step guide to take back your country. Dr. Alan Keyes wrote the foreword saying, 
This book needs to be placed in the hands of every millennial and Bible-believing pastor in America. In How to Liberate the World in 30 Days, Gordon Klingenschmidt equips you with 30 powerful political tools in a 30-day devotional. His 15 inspiring true stories of political victory prove the effectiveness of these methods. You don't even need to get elected to take back your government. By becoming the media, gathering petitions, building an army, and prayerfully fighting the right enemy, you can reverse bad laws and help establish the kingdom of God right now. But if you read this book, you just might get elected too. Order your copy today. It's available in the Superstore at WND.com on Amazon, and you can get the first chapter free right now if you visit the website SchoolOfLiberty.org. Again, that's SchoolOfLiberty.org. That's SchoolOfLiberty.org. It's time to take back your country. Defending your religious freedom, here is Dr. Chaps. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Chaps, Bill Federer, America's preeminent Christian historian, available to come to your church. You should contact him through AmericanMinute.com and subscribe to his email alerts, AmericanMinute.com. Bill, hold up this book and uh, say the title again. It's called The Treacherous World of the 16th Century and How the Pilgrims Escaped It. I call it the prequel to America's freedom, right? So we got Star Wars and they come up with the prequel. So this is where the DNA of a lot of our freedoms came from. And uh, now I'm one student of history, but there's lots of other historians that are a whole lot better than I am, but I, I find these stories fascinating. So the British started a company, 1554, the uh, company of merchant adventurers. Uh, they get frozen in ice and finally they're trading with Moscow. So they changed the name to the Muscovy Company. And then some of them, the Shirley brothers, they go from Moscow all the way down to Persia, Iran. And they make a treaty with the Persians and they actually upgrade the Persian military. And who was Persia's big enemy? The Ottoman Empire. So now the Ottoman Empire is fighting Spain on one side and Persia on the other. And, uh, and then of course the British eventually go to India and uh, they follow Armenian merchant trails, right? The Armenians were the Christians. And so it's a fascinating overview of what the world was like. Um, the big picture, there was no such thing as freedom of conscience. You had to believe the way your king did or you were persecuted. Over in America, we have the freedom of conscience. Uh, they had to deal with Muslim pirates, and uh, today we're dealing with Muslim jihadists. Um, they attempted communism, and it didn't work. Uh, everything was owned in common in uh, you know Plymouth for a while, and so then they scrapped it and came up with capitalism. So a whole lot of the lessons that we've learned go all the, go all the way back to then. Um, I did want to uh, comment again about the uh, Islamic role because uh, this was something where they would pit the two sides against the middle. If, if they had France that they could make a treaty with to side against Britain or the Persians. And so for a while, the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth, made a treaty with the Ottoman Empire against Catholic Spain. And uh, so you saw this uh, chessboard of sort of triangulation, who's the bigger enemy, but it allowed Islam to advance into Eastern Europe. Uh, and so today we see that there's different groups will de make deals with the Saudis or deals with these other uh, groups, but their goal is has ultimately to want to encroach into the Western civilization. Um, I go through the role of the Bible and how for uh, the longest period the Bible was in Latin, but when the Muslims were invading Greece, they were destroying libraries, museums, schools, artwork, monasteries, 
the exact same thing that ISIS is doing today. So in Syria, there are churches that go all the way back to the apostles' time, they're blown to pieces. The grave of Jonah, it existed from uh, the seventh century BC up until uh, 2014. And the ISIS Muslims destroyed the grave of Jonah. And so uh, as these Muslims were invading Greece, they were destroying things. And the, the Greek scholars flee to Florence, Italy. And this flood of Greek stuff into Florence we call the Renaissance. And wow. so, the Muslim, so the Greek scholars bring their art, architecture, literature, and their Greek New Testaments. And so this was the first time Western Europeans had scholars like Erasmus. He was the first one to take a Greek translation of the New Testament, right, and translate it into the European language. Um, so Martin Luther was friends with Erasmus. And they began to see these different verses that they had clouded meetings. All of a sudden they began to see, hey, I can understand it. And it began to give birth to this idea that maybe there's something that we haven't been taught. And instead of translating just to Latin, they would translate all the way back to Greek. So God used, God used the Muslim invasion to really solidify the beliefs of the Christians in Europe and, and give, give rise to what later became the West. Right, and so um, it began where Martin Luther translated the Bible into German, to Hochdeutsch, or High German. It actually set the dialect for the German people. And then we had Wycliffe translates the Bible into English in England, but this is before the printing press. So everything's hand copied. So he has his students, they're called lollards, which means idle babbler. They would translate the New Testament and they would go across uh, England and they would preach. And of course they were made fun of and then they were arrested and then the, the, the archbishop would gather up all these handwritten copies and burn them. But then the printing press comes along and you have um, William Tyndall. Now in Czech Republic, you have John Huss. Um, but William Tyndall is a priest and he translates the Bible. He's chased out and he's in Germany and he's translating the Bible. And uh, the king and the archbishop send spies over there who befriend William Tyndall. And there's this one young guy, he's like friends with him for a, you know, a couple of years. One day he's an old man and they're gonna go uh, into town, but instead the carriage keeps going and it passes up the town. And William Tim's like, where are we going? He goes, oh, we're, we're going to the next town. Well, it was the next town that was in league with Britain, had a, a treaty, and they arrest William Tyndall, put him in jail, and then eventually uh, burn him at the stake. But again, his last words were, Lord, open the King of England's eyes. And, and because God did open the King of England's eyes, we end up with the Great Bible and eventually the King James Bible, and then the pilgrims come to America. Bill, hold up this book one more time. Uh, we're out of time, but I could listen to this man for hours. Bill Federer, thank you for coming on the program. Thank you, Dr. Shabs. All right. His website, AmericanMinute.com. Our website is PrayInJesusName.org. If you want prayer today, call us at 866-Obey-God. We'll see you next time. Today I want to invite you to sign an important petition to Congress to protect military chaplains, especially their right to pray publicly in Jesus' name. If you remember my story, you know that I was vindicated by Congress in 2006 after I took a principled stand for the right to pray in Jesus' name. But Congress never did pass a positive law to let chaplains pray according to their conscience. Would you sign that petition with me? Let's take action today.
Dr. Chaps needs your financial support to stay on the air. Would you please send your best donation today? Please visit PrayInJesusName.org to donate online. Or you can mail a check to Pray In Jesus Name Ministries, Post Office Box 77077, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80970. You can also call us toll-free right now at 866-Obey-God. That's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Please sign up for our free emails at PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org.